Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone else. Are you confused why Jesse's voice sounds like a woman? That's because it's not Jesse. I have taken over the Hollywood fishbowl. Will you ever give it back? <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, hi. Thanks for having me on the fishbowl. <laughs> so this is Monica Lockridge, and I am on the fishbowl with Jesse of the fish fishbowl. I feel so known as. So this I is the so little powerless. Tokyo fishbowl. <laughs> I've taken over. I'm sorry, I called it Hollywood. I didn't know. <laughs> um, and on this, this is our last and final week of the Little Tokyo, Big in Little Tokyo series. Is this the series. series that you hate to watch it leave, but you leave? What? How does that go? You hate to see it go, but you love to watch it leave. Does that? Does that work for audio? I, th- I hate to watch it. Like the girl, like you, because oh, you, her butt's nice. You, yeah. you, you hate to see her go, but you love to watch her leave or whatever. I feel that very that way about this series that it's a uh, that <laughs> it should be objectified in nineteen eighties fashion. We rolled roll, roll, roll off the uh, roller coaster. All right, Darren Maki, have I, have I wrested control of this, or do you want to introduce you? Introduce Darren Maki. Okay, so you know I. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, I've actually known Darren for over 10 years, well before I ever moved to Los Angeles or even visited Los Angeles. I know him from when I used to live in Japan. And actually, I'm fairly certain that Jesse's path has also crossed with Darren's, whether he realizes it or it's not. very possible. So there's probably like a photo that Jesse has or a video that mm-hmm. happens to have Darren in it just because Tokyo is that small, yes. people. It is that small. Um and uh, Darren, he was a professional basketball player in Japan. I knew him through mutual friends. Um, was he in? Was he in the unfortunately named BJ League? No, he was in the other league. He played okay, for Tokyo. Okay, because I was I was shooting for basketball Japan league. They call it the BJ League over there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was who I was shooting for mostly. So it, it's possible. We, but anyway, please. Yes. So um, I knew Darren in Japan, and then I moved back to the United States. Actually. Uh, a year and a half ahead of him. And then he moved back to the United States, was preparing to kind of uh, change careers and uh, launch his clothing line, messaged me, said, hey, I'm doing this. I'd love to work together. Um, We had mutual friends in Japan. He knew some of the work that I had done there. And I was like, actually, I'm perfectly positioned to help you. (laughs) I am currently working on small business assistance in Japanese and Japanese-American communities. Darren, like, basically fit all the boxes. And he was my first client at the Little Tokyo Service Center Small Business Assistance Program. Um, so it's really wonderful. This has kind of come full circle that now he has had his official first launch. He's had yes. his first store pop-up. He's you know, now been published in newspapers and magazines, and I'm really proud of... I hear that that photo I took of him has been, has been on the front cover of newspapers. Is that true? <laughs> yes, yes. Boom, um, boom. So um, I'm very, very proud of Darren. Uh, he is a really humble person. I'd say shy, but he'll get embarrassed that I say that. <laughs> um, he's very... Okay, uh, this interview was like pulling teeth, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> he's very shy. Um, he's, he's always 
I, you know, I think sometimes a lot of people when they, they see entrepreneurs and they see what they're doing and they think, oh my God, they must have everything together and they're so successful. They don't really realize that they're all kind of figuring out as they go along and doing their best to kind of hold all these falling pieces together just to get to their next step because they're doing everything on their own. And Darren is definitely an example where he has a community supporting him, um, who's passionate about supporting him, but he's still a one man band launching a clothing apparel line, you know, doing um, these amazing blog video blogs and, and lots of other projects, but very critical of himself and his projects because he's always striving to be better. And I think that's something that I've never met a successful entrepreneur that feels like, oh yeah, I'm doing great now. Like they never say that. They're always like, well, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. And I think that's something that good entrepreneurs who are really trying to make a difference and really trying to like create something, they're so hard on themselves. Like they're never counting their successes or their milestones or just being like, what didn't I do? What do I still have to do? Um, and I want to just dedicate this episode to everyone that is out there really trying and is so unnecessarily hard on themselves. Please take a moment to just like, as yes. Alison de la Cruz would say, take a deep breath in and let it out and just appreciate the fact that you're doing something that most people wouldn't even try to do. Swinky and I talk about this a lot. We, I, I don't mind throwing my hat in the ring with other entrepreneurs, if I may. <laughs> she, it, it's, it's very frustrating work and it can be very lonely work and it can be very intimidating work because you're always looking Swinky at... Swinky is Jesse's wife, for those who don't know. Oh, they know. <laughs> There's not a single listener who's unaware who isn't in America because of visa issues. So if you uh, write your congressman, if you could be so kind. Anyway, um, you're always looking forward. You're always like trying to figure out, you're, you're always trying to put out fires and trying to improve it. And you forget to take inventory of where you were six months ago and a year ago. And that's a very practical piece of advice that I've picked up as an entrepreneur myself and <laughs> uh, being married to another, another entrepreneur is really develop that habit of seeing where you were a year ago. And if you have if you haven't improved, then start to worry. But guaranteed, guaranteed, you should see progress and growth. Uh, da- Darren, can I give a little bit of Darren talk? Yeah, of course. Go do for I it. have to do it at this voice? Okay. <laughs> uh, he has an asset. You talk about how how he's how the individual entrepreneur is juggling so much on their own. Darren has the asset of an impeccable aesthetic sense. He oh, just yeah. knows aesthetics at this core level that drives me nuts like i i feel jealous when i look at how how tightly designed everything he does is and how coherent all of his designs are and how they fit together and they're all just impeccable so thank you darren for coming on and sharing your wisdom insight and on behalf of well i just want to say before this episode rolls out because darren if you're listening Jesse and I are very proud of you. And I'm going to say, on behalf of Little Tokyo, we were all very proud of the accomplishments that and the commitment to the community you are making. So thank you. Can I say something about Darren? Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy everybody's success. Darren's, I enjoy a little bit more. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> when he has a win, I'm like, yeah. We all have favorites. Yeah. We all have favorites. I, I feel like that's okay. People are always like, what's your favorite small business? And I was like, I'm not going to say. But you do have one. I do have one. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to press the question. <laughs> 
but yeah, and I, you know, it's it's not because we have favorites because we like someone more. I think everyone kind of there's a point in that. Well, everything you, you relate it speaks to, to you in a yeah. certain way. Yeah. Like you can't like every movie. There are just going to be movies that speak to me and speak to you in a different way. Right. It's just because we know the people who are involved in these projects that it's it's harder to talk about. Yeah. On an open stage. How much ado do we have left on a scale of one to ten? With one being no more ado and ten being gallons of ado. Um, how about a two point five? All right, uh, that's a little bit of a do. How was your day? <laughs> I my day is very good. I, so one last thing I want to say before we roll into this episode: if you have a chance while you're um, so kind of going along pop up shops week. Oh yeah. So at this point, <laughs> at this point, uh, you will be able to actually visit uh, a pop-up shop that I was in charge of curating, 341FSN, which Darren actually had a pop-up at in September. Oh my God, that seems so long ago. Um, his was a four-day pop-up and now we're in through the one month long pop-ups. Michelle Hanabusa, who owns a apparel line called Uprising is this month. And then next month will be, um, Shoshi Watanabe and his pop-up will be in January. And uh, Darren did an amazing job with the pop-up. He was our... You're talking about it like there's no video evidence of this amazing job and, that Yes, and Jesse made an amazing video of Darren's pop-up you as well as me. Tenzo's pop-up. And you can check those out. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much, <laughs> On the um, LA Small Bizcubator Facebook page, mm-hmm. we have them listed up there. Um, and there will be more pop-up videos coming up soon. But um, big thank you to Jesse for doing those videos. Stop. Stop. <laughs> they were excellent. And um, please come down and visit if you've been enjoying this podcast series and you're just like wow i'm really enjoying learning about this come down to 341 fsn look at a historical first street in little tokyo next to two doors down from from far bar and uh come check out some of these amazing japanese american entrepreneurs that we are really happy to welcome into the community i will say here's your slogan don't be foolish come to little tokyo We'll feed you. <laughs> that, 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 that. We can is it going to catch? I, <laughs> yeah, we, I don't think it's going to catch. Only, the only thing I'm married to is the don't be foolish. <laughs> don't be foolish. Come to Little Tokyo. Yes. I think that's a slam dunk. Uh, we're out of ado. Yes. We I've are. got no more ado. So without further ado, Darren Maki. Drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I'm coming in a little bit hot. I am Jesse Kester. I'm your host. Uh, and I am thrilled. I am overjoyed to welcome to the program. Why am I still clipping? I'm thrilled and overjoyed to welcome to the program the one, the only, the illustrious Darren Maki. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you on. And I will explain why once the music is done. It's, it's winding down. Four seconds left. And Morpheus is done fighting Neo. How you doing? Who won? Uh, if I recall, it was a forfeit. Neo says, I know what you're trying to do, and he won't fight Morpheus any more than they load the jump program. That's good. You yeah. know your stuff. <laughs> you ready to leave already? No, that, <laughs> you're done with that's this like shit. one movie I need to like revisit. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime you just call me up. I will get Blu-rays out and putter over to wherever you are. I'm always happy to watch that one. I I have known you sort of for half a year now. When do we start working together? 
About half a year, maybe, yeah. But I don't really know you that well. Like, we never sit down and talk. We've never, the first time we met, we had a cup of tea and we were talking about that project, the editing on on the generational, right, right. what was the title of that project? Just Generations. Generations, right. that's what it was. So we, we put in them a uh, little futuristic looking like computer yeah, images. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the HUD. The HUD, yes. Yes. Thank you But we that. never, we, we never talk anymore. <laughs> You're too big for me now, man. Shit. So I'm glad we get this chance that oh, speaking I... Speaking of, like, how's the language? Like, do I have to watch my language? You don't have to watch your language at all. You do have to watch your placement. If you want to okay. get... If, like, if you want to sit back, pull the chair in and lean the mic in. Like, if you want to be more relaxed, you can. But we got to get it closer to where the sound is coming from. Okay. So how's, how's that? That is much... You hear the difference in your headphones? Yes. All right. That is world's better. Right. Um, how we start... Off. Language is fine. You can say whatever you want on this program. Uh, knowing that our our biggest fan, this show is not exclusively for, but primarily for my little sister, who is a pastor. So wow. keep that in mind as you say fuck on this show. <laughs> you said it on me. All right. What we do at the beginning is something that we call five in five. I'm going to ask you five questions. You have one minute to answer each question. That is why we call it five in five, five questions in five minutes. You will have beeps that will cut you off when you get to the end of the minute. Seeing how shy you've gotten since we turned on the cameras. I am not worried that you are going to go over your one minute time limit on this. Okay. So think of it not as a limit, but as a target, a goal to be achieved. Gotcha. All right, here we go. You ready? Yes. And you get little beeps to guide you through. Question number one, where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? Wow. So I was born in downtown Los Angeles, um, fairly near the Staples Center. And I grew up in a town called Montebello, which is about 10 miles east of uh, Little Tokyo. And... That's where I grew up until I graduated high school. I mean, college. Well, for college, I went away to uh, Dominguez Hills and I lived in Gardena for a few years at my cousin's house. Then after that, um, I took off to Asia and uh, I went to Tokyo. And I kind of, that's where I kind of became a man. Oh, ooh. Tell us all the juicy (laughs) details of that transition. I mean, it was just the first time really just being on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fending for myself. You're talking more in a practical sense. Right, correct. Got it. (laughs) Now, are you Issei, Nisei, Sansei? I I am Nisei. Okay. According to... um, I'd love to know more, but my hands are tied. We're moving on to question number two. Okay, question number two. What is the must-engage media, the book, the movie, the album that unlocked the secrets of the universe to your brain? The movie would be Back to the Future. All right. Yes, yes. it would. The yes. the bags at your shop yes, were Back to the, the Future bag, based. Just everything, especially part two. Just yeah. everything about that was just a mind fuck to me. And just, <laughs> really? I just... That that was everything for me. What well, what about it? What about it unlocked just, your head? Just the the imagination and the you know everything was futuristic at the time, and you know like just the creativity. The and clothes, now it's the, it's so mundane. We can't walk outside without seeing some flying cars and hoverboards and. <laughs> they missed it by a few years, but yeah. Just I like would, the the world of possibility that that film showed right. off. Totally right there with right. you on it. Had the VHS, watched it until I broke the VCR. Mm-hmm. Like I just watched it on loops. Trying to think like, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, exactly. Time's up. You're doing fine. Look at you filling up these minutes effortlessly. 
Question number three. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? Wow. That's a very good question. Do you, um, do you experience joy? Is that I one do. that you visit? I do, but you know, I get a lot of joy in little things every day. You know, it is not just one thing that just, oh my God, this is pure joy. But I would say like uh, every time I'm with my family, mm-hmm. um, every time I'm, every time a new creation comes to like fruition, like everything that was in my head and now it becomes physical, like that's pure joy. Mm-hmm. Even though it may, it might not sell, it might not look good to other people, but to me it's like, I did this. Yeah, yeah. So I would say those are the, the little things that gives me pure joy. Now, Craft by Maki, is that not sell? I thought you killed it at your pop-up. Oh, yeah, we did very well. Okay. Very well. You're making me worry now with that. <laughs> <laughs> like you're apologizing. No, for I'm just saying like basically like there's a lot of times where oh. I just don't give it. I'd love yeah. to know more. That's why we have a, the entire rest of the show okay. is to kind of get into it a little more. Okay, great. What gets under your skin? Oh man, where do I begin? It's drivers in LA. <laughs> hey, okay, sure. sorry about that. That was me. <laughs> definitely drivers, inconsiderate people. Um, cus- bad customer service is definitely one of them. And just, uh, you know, standards, especially like at restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to forfeit the remaining 30 seconds? Yeah. You certainly may. All right, and we're coming up on the last one. Are you ready for the final question of five in five? Ready. It's a two-parter. What is the best advice that you've received in your lifetime, and what is the best advice that has come from your very brain that you want to put out into the world? You're going to put me on blast like that. I'm I'm merciless, man. Or simple version. What's some good Um, advice? Okay, so my college coach at East LA College, Rob Rivera, Coach Rob, he told us, he told me like, to practice with the purpose. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to add to that, like not just practice, but everything you do in life, do it with the purpose. Tell me more about that. So what purposes like, are like, inside you? Like, you know, we could show up to, to practice every day and just go through the motions. But then, mm-hmm. you know, let's just think, you know, my competition, he comes to the gym and he's targeting what he wants to work on. He's just going at it. Yeah. Just putting on all the work with the purpose to be better than the day before. And, and that's kind of like, just don't go through the motions. Yeah. You're gonna do yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I think I remember that to this day. Perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect timing. All right. And at the end of five and five, we celebrate Big Baby. <laughs> you did it. Congratulations. We are going to I have slow- that same app. The yep, Hamhorn. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Favorite app on the phone. The uh, phone calling, messaging, WhatsApp, they can all go take a hike. <laughs> Hamhorn is where it's at. Um I want to back up. I want to slow down. And okay. I, there's a lot of stuff that you opened up. The uh practicing with a purpose, executing with a purpose, creating family, uh the the possibility promised in uh, late eighties and early nineties cinema. But let's start with the the question of the Issei Nisei thing was I was wondering, like, what did you grow up with? You you when you went to Asia was to go to Japan, right? Initially, uh, I didn't go to Japan first, but that was the ultimate goal. And yes, I did end up in Japan. Okay. Um, so when you were growing up in LA, what are you speaking in the house? Do you have a, a foundation when you get to Asia uh, or? You know, the Japanese foundation came from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, she did not speak a lick of English. So I guess that was my introduction growing up with her. Um, I don't think I necessarily spoke great Japanese, but for some reason, her and I communicated perfectly together so we understood each other perfectly 
I don't know how it worked, but um, when I got to Japan, I realized, you know, my Japanese wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you feel a connection with, with your grandma. Is she still with us? No, or? she passed okay. away a few years ago. Okay. So, so um, yeah, that was like our, that was like my tie to Japan. Yeah. But you do feel like even from a young age, you're feeling like when the language is thin, the connection is still just as strong as anything. Right. Like that kind of, that kind of experience. At the time, I didn't realize it, but I guess mm-hmm. when I look back on it, it's like, yeah, that, that was the case. Are both your parents Japanese? Yes, my mom's Japanese. She is a uh, third generation. Okay. And my father is, uh, he was born and raised in Japan. And did they, did you, did they, how, how did their Japanese-ness influence you growing up? We're going to move on from this. I'm okay. just trying to, like, here, these are things I already kind of sort of know about you, but I right. want to give our listeners well, a little bit of context for who you are and where you come from before well, I we get am, into that. I, I am identify, well, I am second generation just by my father, mm-hmm. but I grew up pretty much Yonsei, which is fourth generation. Like, okay. I just grew up like a regular Asian-American kid. Okay. So I wasn't totally fobbed out growing up. Fabbed out? Fobbed out, like F-O-B. Fresh, Fresh off, off the, the boat. boat. That's yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I wasn't like totally fobbed out growing up, but I did have my. I'm my gonna spots. guess that I shouldn't use expressions like fobbed out. <laughs> Is that safe? <laughs> Maybe I don't. You know what? Do as you please. Okay. You got a pass for me. Oh, thank you. I do yeah. appreciate it. Um, so then you're growing up in LA. You go to college. You're, you're, you're. I, I also know this. I'm trying to think of a way to ask it casually. That it's like, oh, this is a discovery moment. But yeah, you're doing the basketball thing. Is that high school on? Is that junior high school on? So I mean, I started when I was like around eight, eight years old. But mm-hmm. I didn't really get serious about it until I was in high school. Okay. Uh, before that, I was in like judo, and that was like my thing. Well, actually, that was my dad's thing. I really didn't like it because it was taking time away from my friends, mm-hmm. time away from playing basketball. So. Um, Basically once, I think I was like 15 or 14, and I, and I went to this national tournament, and once I got like, you know, I won the bronze medal. And then right after that, I just hung them up. Go out on and, top. Yeah, and then I just went right into basketball, and that was like, I didn't get serious till maybe like, maybe senior year. Okay. Which is kind of late, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, But now you're getting serious with it. Is, are you thinking to go pro or? No, not at all. Okay. Like, I just wanted to play and be like the best Japanese player in all of LA. Like mm-hmm. That was just my goal. And then um, just by chance, you know, I was just playing ball and then just the local junior college coach came to the game and was like, you want to play? Mm-hmm. You got a spot. I'm like, all right. Because I wasn't getting attention from anybody else. Yep, so yep, that yep. was like the only school that showed me interest. And then I was like, all right, well then I'm going to play basketball in college. What, what school was this it? This was East LA College, okay. which was a junior college. What was the reason? Why did they, what, what, what did they see in you? I guess, you know... <clears throat> At the time, they really wanted to just grab the local talent. Mm-hmm. So they just went to all the local schools and recruited from there. And what does it so, mean to have a spot? Is that like full tuition or just... Uh, junior college, there's no uh, scholarships. Okay. It's just, you know, if you want to come on the team, you know. Okay. And your yeah. family has the financial infrastructure that they can just send you over? Are you on student loans? Like what's... Uh, junior college at the time was like super cheap. I think it was like 12 bucks a... Uh, a cr- um, what do they call it? A, a credit or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So junior college, that's like out of pocket. East that's, college, that's, yeah, that's was negligible. That yeah. cost. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. And what are you studying at that point? Do you have a major? I was just going through my A's, just trying to get my basics. Okay. Done for my bachelor's to transfer. 
Okay. Right. What were you going? I mean, like, what was the bachelor's you'd go for if you had to pick one? Did you ever pick one or was it just... I did. Well, I, I picked one when I got to college. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. To You're university. Fine. So, um, yeah. So, I, I chose sociology just because it just... I really enjoyed that subject. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to learn about people, society, and this and that. Anthropology at the time was like, you know, I was really big on that. I was always watching like, you know, Animal Planet, Natural... Uh, you know, Discovery Channel. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. still to this day. Yeah. But I just wanted to study people. Okay. Yeah. So you went for it? Yeah. Did you graduate with that or? I did. Okay. And I even went into my master's program for that. Are you kidding? But, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to be a professor, this mm-hmm. and that. Because at the time, like, yeah, again, basketball was not in my peripheral. So when does it, when does that start to take the front seat? So, so during... Uh, college at East LA I was playing and then the Japanese national team came to play they had friendly matches in LA they were mm-hmm. training for uh, some tournament is this BJL or this is the national team of okay, Japan okay. Like the best of the best their okay. national team and this was when like Tabuse I don't know if you remember he was the very first Japanese born player to be in the NBA he's on that team and uh, we did two games we won both of them and I did very well against them mm-hmm and just by chance, one of their coaches was like, hey, what's your story? Like, you look like us, but you're from here. Like, what are you? you yeah, know? yeah. And from our conversation, that's where the interest sparked. So after two years, they're like, all right, when you're done here, come to Japan. Mm-hmm. So I went out there. I had a training camp at, with Niigata, which is a team still out there. And then when now, were you in the Niigata area for that or? Right. So I, okay. So you went out to the countryside, to the countryside like, deep, yeah. deep countryside. Yeah. Niigata, there is nothing out right, there. Right. And it was cold at the time. And, uh, yeah, it went well. I did very well at the training camp. And when it came down to signing, you know, they're like, okay, we need all your paperwork, this, this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have a passport. <laughs> like what? So yeah, I'm not Japanese. I'm, I'm American. And, just from that, it like everything just fell through. Really? Right. So you didn't get to play at all? I did all? not get to play. So I came back and I went to Dominguez Hills, which is mm-hmm. in Carson. Got a partial scholarship there. Now this trip does not, to Niigata does not count as the trip where you became a man or? Correct. Okay. Okay. Right. Now when you, you're, you're driving around and you're in Niigata in the winter, were you, did you have a license no. Could you drive any? Okay. No, I mean, they, they had like, you know, they had a van for everybody. So they would just okay, pick you up, take you over. One like, thing I remember about Niigata driving in winter is that they have like sprinklers on the street so they don't freeze. Like they blow oh, hot, right? hot water, I think, onto ah. the ice to melt it as quick as possible. Makes sense. As neither yeah. here nor there, not the <laughs> focus of this conversation. So you come back. Uh, let's pick up that thread again where I interrupted you. Okay. You so, get back from uh, Niigata. Right, so I came back and this is on the down low. Because if you go out there and you train with professional teams, you will be deemed ineligible to play in the Mm -hmm. NCAA. So this was all on the down low because if they found out, I mean, I'm not like some big D1 prospect, so they wouldn't give a shit. But yeah, yeah. um, That was just on the down low. And then I came back, I went to Dominguez Hills. Right. So Dominguez Hills is a division two school in in Carson. And I went there on a partial scholarship. (laughs) <laughs> You're not using any slang but then, Yeah. I knew what scholarly meant. All right, my bad. But at the time, right? So I'm like, okay, now I'm nice with it. Like, I feel like, mm-hmm. okay, I know I can play over there because I did well. So now I'm going to train like I'm going to go play pro after this. And mm-hmm. that's another reason why I did sociology. Because it's like, I don't think I need to do anything else because I'm good. I'm playing mm-hmm. pro ball. That's it. 
This, it, that's your life plan. Yeah. That's, that's the long term. Right. I was all in. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I didn't pick any of these other like, you know, things big time uh, subjects, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, after that, I started hooping like in all these like Asian, like international tournaments, just trying to get my name out there, make some money, whatever. And um, I met this other dude out there. He was a he was like an agent, scout mm-hmm. agent, and he was like, "Oh shit, um, are you Japanese?" And I was like, "Man, we've been through this already." I, I went out there; it just wasn't working. He's like, "No, like, how about your father? Your parents? Where are they from?" Mm-hmm. And I tell, "Oh, my father. Yeah, he's from Japan." He's like, "Oh, there you go, because he's Japanese. You can go there, add your name to his koseki, which is kind of like the family registry. Mm-hmm. Add your name to it, and then." submit your papers and you become a citizen did you do a, a kanji for darren no that's okay. katakana okay right. so i just used my middle name and my last name what's your middle name if i may <laughs> satoshi satoshi okay yeah. okay does anyone call you that uh my dad when he gets mad okay or my grandmother yeah okay and that's basically how it happened like just a lot of, a lot of chance but at the same time like i try to put myself in as much situations where i could be like successful seen or whatever so now you're over there you're on your father's koseki um you're playing professionally at this point now i i'm i'm all the way legit so i submit my papers to the league mm-hmm. and then i enter the draft and then i get drafted by uh tokyo apache which mm-hmm. is now a defunct team and um, yeah, I was I was drafted sixth overall, overall by uh, Kobe Bryant's dad, Joe Jellybean. He was the head coach. He was my coach for now. Jellybean is not seasons. his real last name, is it? Jellybean is his nickname. Okay, right. his name is Joe Bryant. Okay, really good guy. And um, yeah, that's just just kind of how it happened. How long do you play out there? I played totally total for ten years, and I was in Japan for eleven and a half years. Okay, right. That's a long time. Yeah. That's a long time. I thought I was going to be a lifer. I actually thought I would be, but um, I felt like I wanted to come home just to be closer to family. You know, my grandmother passed away. Did she pass while you were in Japan? She did. You come home for that funeral? I did. Okay. Yeah, like okay. the next few days I was on the okay. plane. Okay. But um, yeah, and just, I wanted to start my business in, in LA. What happened if you were to be a lifer? At, what, at some point you must switch over to coaching or something like what what does a lifelong career in basketball look like life for meaning like i'm gonna be in japan for life oh, okay okay right. okay it's it spoke to you that deeply like you yeah. just felt connected there yeah, to I mean, the even, i mean even now when you see the climate of our country mm-hmm. and what we're going through and when you're there like that's just not even in my it's in so my far away life is so taken care of health care and yeah. everything is so perfectly organized everything. and yeah, yeah. Coming back here is a bit of a, a splash of cold water in the face. Yeah. After I was there for ten years. Right. You get you get comfortable really fast in Japan. Right. I mean, just like mentioned, I told you, you asked me about pet peeves earlier, and I was like, L.A. drivers, mm-hmm. just driving and traffic in, in general. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I just get on the train. If we had a Yamanote line over here, do you know how easy life in L.A. would be? Mm-hmm. Just one loop line that gets you everywhere you need to go anytime you want to yep. go there. So what brought you back? You wanted to start your own business. What, like, what, where, when does that hunger start coming up? Is it? Well, okay. So I would say. Like, do you make that decision within a week of thinking like, I want to go back or is it five years of. 
I would say, okay, so like in Tokyo, like I was surrounded by a lot of people that were, you know, hustlers. Mm-hmm. And everyone is on their own shit, like just hustling, making money, doing this, doing that. And Where I, were you hanging out? Like no. Shibuya? Shinjuku? Shibuya, Harajuku. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where the, the entrepreneurs yeah, seem to, to break the molds. Right. So, I mean, just everyone was just hustling. And I, and I loved that that energy and so much creativity in that city. And I was like, I got to do my own thing. And, I, and again, like my base was always like, I was always down with fashion. It just wasn't like, oh, I want to start looking cool all of a sudden because I'm a pro baller. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I've been like down with fashion since day one. And so being in that state, the fashion capital of like Asia or, you know, top three in the world, what have you, like I was just inspired every day. And that was, that was it. I, I, I wasn't, it was like this fan club for me. Yeah. And, uh, they asked for a t-shirt to make a t-shirt, custom t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So I, I busted one out quick, like, and just boom, gone. Like right away. I was like, okay, I could do this as okay. a business. Yeah. Now, why didn't you why didn't you kick it off in in Tokyo if you're feeling at home and you got the community already around you of of, of hustlers? Because I never felt whiter in my life than when I just said hustlers <laughs> right now. <laughs> Can we scratch it and call them entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs, great. That was such a fake phony baloney <laughs> attempt at it. Uh, I like this. I, I think it's good. Just stay like that. I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to be cooler. I don't think it's going to work. So why, why aren't you staying with, like, you've got the community, you've got obvious infrastructure around you. Why'd you come back here? Uh, there was a few reasons. Um, you know, part of it, like, again, family. Mm-hmm. And um, saturation. And it's kind of, it might have been too easy to do it there, but I wanted to do something here in LA where I'm from. Like, okay. just something like, I have to do it here, be successful here. That's um, kind of why I left Tokyo too. There was this feeling like I, I was running a film business over there mm-hmm. and we were doing well year after year, growing year after year. But I got to thinking like, this is just too easy. I could be comfortable and 40 years could go by without me ever trying to to elevate this. It, it's so comfortable and you, you immediately become so uh, not sedentary, but like it, mm-hmm. you get in the flow and the rhythm of it without any challenges. Right. Add on to that a, 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 a deep, deep frustration with what is happening here culturally and politically and feeling like I wasn't doing my part as an American. Did that, did you get any of that? Like feeling like that's my country that's kind of being usurped right now and undermined or not really? Not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like I feel like, you know, even to this day, like, Everyone loves Japanese streetwear. No oh, yeah. Matter. Yeah. Anyone in the world, they all fuck with like Japanese streetwear. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try to bring some of that, but mm-hmm. like a homegrown version. So it's more accessible to them, to the masses out here. So it's part of it. Like I wanted to do like a Japanese brand in the States. And, um, you know, even my logo, it's a, it's a, it's an origami crane, but even I don't feel like this is a big draw in Japan. The origami crane, right? Because it's no, too it's Japanese. Like, yeah, it's like like bonsai. People go over thinking that that's the thing, right? Not really the thing. Or like, if I'm in the states and I'm trying to sh- sell you a, a a t-shirt with an American flag on it, yeah, or yeah, Uncle or a Sam. hamburger or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you see it every day. You don't really give a shit. Yeah. So I feel like my mark is not necessarily Japan anyway for my logo. Not saying I do want to like 
not saying that I don't want to be out there eventually, yeah. but I just feel like, let me just set my roots down here. Yep. Right. So what are the early days of that like? Like what, what's the, what's the, the foundation process for starting your clothing line over here? Right. So, um, so during my plane days, I was, uh, sponsored by a, a streetwear brand. And after I retired from basketball, like they were like, why don't you just like join with us? Like, since, you know, you've, you know yeah. what we do, we're all tight, we're all homies. So from there, like I just kind of learned, picked up on how to run a fashion brand. And are they, are they interested in you as a designer or just as a guy who can do good work and will probably be useful around the business? Well, it all started off with just me wearing the stuff, putting it out on social media, mm-hmm. this, that, and the third. And um, I guess it helped the, their sales, their awareness, whatever. So mm-hmm. I just came on and, you know, like I, I believed in them brand as well. I didn't, it wasn't just like, okay, uh, you're, you sponsor me, give me money. It wasn't like yeah, that. Was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like what they do. I like their designs. I like the concept. So, and whenever I had, a di- I had an idea, like whether it be a design or whatever, they were like, all right, cool, let's do it. So they were really cool about that, about okay. it that way. So basically I tried to help wherever I could. So you're watching them run the business, then you right. come back here and what do you, what do you kick off? Like what are the first steps for you in setting this up? Well, what I did first, which is probably what people say you shouldn't do, but I just set up an LLC right away. I just made it all the way legit right off the bat. We did my trademarks, even though a lot of people say you don't need to do that at first, just mm-hmm. kind of like get your proof of concept yeah but i already had my proof of concept in my head so i was like shout <laughs> i love the confidence i really do <laughs> so i'm like i'm just gonna do it you know all, all the way legit and then uh from there i was sourcing uh manufacturers because mm-hmm. i already had the designs everything so i had to source manufacturers um fabric and um just kind of get everything together i did everything you know it took me a, f- a few months do you have a, 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 is it a home office at this point or do you have anything physical? I have a home office. Okay. Right. And this is all being done out of? The home, the, the home office, AKA the dining room. Okay. Yeah. Any capital? Like, is this just money you saved up in Japan or you have investors? So, right. Uh, I did not take on any investors. Okay. I chose like, you know, I want to do this. I want to challenge myself, see if I could do it all by myself on 100% of this thing. So I was like, no investors, I'm going to just start it up. So what I did was, okay, so after basketball, mm-hmm. I went to Malaysia. Okay. And I started working for an airline. Okay, this Air is, Asia. I know nothing about this. Right. How'd so, you land that gig? Okay, so. This is a huge detour. I thought it was a straight line <laughs> from basketball to, to fashion. Right. Okay, so speaking of hustlers, so after I, I retired, like I was like, damn, what am I going to do? Because to be honest with you, I was like in a dark place. Like I wasn't ready mentally to retire mm-hmm. physically i was like all right i can't my body can't do this no more but mentally i was like fuck this is my life now what i'm gonna do so i started like you know i was out promoting clubs and parties in like Roppongi. yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah i was doing that shit and then um you know i had a friend who was working for air asia mm-hmm. air asia it's like a it's a, a southeast asian low-cost carrier they're based in uh kuala lumpur mm-hmm. and um they're the world's best maybe 13, 14 years in a row now. But anyway, um, they were launching AirAsia Japan. They did it one time before. They, they partnered with ANA, but that shit fell through because ANA was too like straight edge. ANA is pretty straight edge. Right. JAL is also pretty straight Correct. edge. Like where they were just buying out 50 seats or 100 seats on each flight? No, like or? it was like going to be a straight up partnership 
for mm-hmm. AirAsia Japan, but um, you know, AirAsia they they they're so outlandish with their thoughts and you know the way they do things. So I guess they just weren't ready for it at the time. Also, so. the, like those two Japan, the the two main airlines in Japan, they're really like high quality, top shelf service oriented. They're not a, a budget version of flying. No, they're not. So I, do, I, I, I can see why the partnership could spark and why there'd be curiosity at the top levels between the mm-hmm. two if there could be a functioning partnership, but it does, the challenges seem immediately evident when you think <laughs> about it. Right, correct. Because even like, you know, for AirAsia, we use our assets, like our, our flight attendants as like our main assets, you know. But okay, so anyway. Do you mean that like the, that they're pretty so people will fly with you? Or like, what do you mean by the, the flight attendants are the main asset? No, like, because, you know, like, yeah, you have an airline and, you know, we, we, we do like to hire fun people, outgoing people. We just don't hire anybody. Oh, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, they actually, you know, our employees drive the business basically is what mm-hmm. Tony thinks. Tony is like the CEO, founder. Okay. And so, yeah, like, you know, we, we do have really fun cabin crew so let's use them in our in our you know our marketing our yeah 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 yeah, so yeah we do all you know we do a lot of lifestyle stuff with them okay right so i guess ana wasn't really down with that amongst other things yeah they're pretty buttoned down right so when AirAsia launched again in japan mm-hmm. uh they had a a big press conference and they wanted an after party so my friend asked me to help coordinate this after party okay so we did it at feria which is like at the time one of the biggest clubs in Rapongi. you're talking like i haven't shot feria i know what feria is okay i've been there i okay. filmed it you have yeah oh shit. yeah that's how we got our start was doing uh event videography and all the events were down in Rapongi, so we would feria we would end gets up cracking at, though right? yeah yeah no those yeah. were good parties those right? were very good parties right. my friend uh puked all over <laughs> 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 sorry about that feria anyway <laughs> <clears throat> it was it, it was we went out to pepper lunch beforehand and the meat wasn't good at pepper lunch oh. according to him it was Ooh. not from over boozing it was the Ooh. anyway that's neither here nor yeah, there yeah, you're, yeah. you're doing this party at feria right and I, I met the ceo my friend introduced me and you know he had a great time he was he was like hi nice to meet you mm-hmm. you work for me now and that was it done i was like what Are you serious he's like yeah come to the office tomorrow and we'll set you up it's too loud to talk here. So I was like, okay, are you serious? And I asked my friend, is he serious? He's like, no, nah, he's serious. Just come through. So I went there and uh, talked with one of his, um, someone else. And that was that. And how long were you there? I was there for two and a half years. That's a long time for yeah. a job that you get at Feria in, in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's a long time. What was so good about it? The job? Yeah. Oh man. Like, what, what? It, was, it, was, it was like one of the funnest times I've had in my life. Like, I was uh, on the branding team. Mm-hmm. I was a, a regional brand manager, and my my I was in charge of like all the lifestyle content. So basically, I was just going to all these places, producing, directing all these fun ass like films, and mm-hmm. just you know traveling everywhere. You know, like Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur is pretty much the center of Southeast Asia, and we flew to every single destination, and it was all within a few hours flight. So. Our benefits were great, so we could mm-hmm. fly anytime we wanted. Like we go, you know, after work on Friday, jump on a plane mm-hmm. to wherever the fuck, Thailand, whatever, and then come back Sunday afternoon. 
See, I knew this. I was highly suspicious. You you present yourself when we meet as the, just a guy who put a crane on a sweater and now he sells other sweaters. I knew it wasn't true. I knew that that, that kind of humble thing was... I knew there was a story behind all this. When I saw the quality of that Generations video, I was like, this guy, he knows more than he's letting on oh, about, about the world. <laughs> See, here's the thing is I try to get you all comfortable and now I'm trying to make you embarrassed and oh, shy man. again. Is it working? It's, it's working very well. All right. Yeah. So, uh, two and a half years at AirAsia. Yes. What ends that? Um, I could have easily stayed there for It's a pretty decade. funny, isn't it? Yeah. I could have easily stayed there for a decade. Mm-hmm. But it was like, man, I was doing all this cool ass shit for someone else's company. I was like, dude, I got to do this for myself. Mm-hmm. So, and I also knew like, okay, I'm going to come to AirAsia. I'm going to soak up all the corporate game I can and yep. stack my paper. Because out there, a dollar goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just saved, saved, saved and soaked up, soaked up, soaked up everything. I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. So I had my capital and I had my game. I was like, all right, coming home, let's start this business. All right. Yeah. How long ago did you, when, when, when did you land? What year? So let's see. I got back to LA last summer. So that's 2017. You built all this in a year and a half. Since uh, I got home. Yes. Yeah. But the planning was before. Yeah. That, yeah, right? yeah. But that's all theoretical. I mean, yeah. it's, and once you have your feet on the ground, that's when the real work starts. Yeah. I mean, cause like I, I would go to Vietnam, right. Mm-hmm. And then I would just tour factories and like make samples here and there. Okay. Like just for shits and giggles. I'm like, all right, let's make this. Boom. Cause it was like fucking eight bucks to make a sample. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Just to right. learn the process. Yeah. Have fun with it. And there was like this one place called Pratama complex in Malaysia mm-hmm. where they, there's just a bunch of people who do textiles, sewing, everything. So we'd go there and we'd fucking, I'd make a bunch of shit. Okay. So I'm at work every day wearing all this crane shit. And we're like, what is all that? What is it? And I'm passing out samples and shit. To <laughs> I don't have a, a company or a brand yet, but I'm yeah, just yeah. like, I'm setting it, you know, setting this shit up. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was actually fun. So yeah, the, I guess the, kind of the trick that we're revealing now is uh, that if you want to do the thing, do the thing before you're doing the thing for the fun of doing the right. thing. Because I, for example, like I'd make, okay, I know I'm going to have these logo tees. I'm going to make a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take photos of all my cabin crew. Yeah. I use them as my models. Yep. So yep. 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 Do that. I was in Japan, you know, like back and forth every month because uh, we we're still building AirAsia Japan. So I was always in Tokyo as well. Yep. So, you know, I got my, you know, entertainer friends like, let's, let's take some photos. Whoop, whoop. How long ago did you take that, uh, the Chop Suey photo that was just on your Instagram? Oh, Chop Suey photo was like last week or something. Okay. Two weeks ago. Yeah. I, th- I saw that. I know that place. <laughs> I know where he did that one. Yeah. It's cool though, because it, it reminds you that even just like on the block where you're working, you can still get a really unique, really uh, evocative feel. Yeah, because I didn't even think I could get up on that balcony. How did you did you introduce yourself to the apartment owner? Or? No, so the guy um, Dylan, I call him Dylan, just because mm-hmm. Chappelle show. But uh, Dylan, he uh, he was, I believe, he was a a volunteer mm-hmm. at Little Tokyo Service Center. Okay. And he hit me up. He's like, dude, I fuck with your shit. I'm trying to be a, a photographer, designer. Like, how can we, you know, do something? I was like, all right. Okay. Actually, I want to take this one photo of this shirt. I'll let you do this project and show me what you got. And then Looked it was, good. was that awesome photo. Yeah. So how do you get Shout involved with Dylan? Dylan. 
thank you for for initiating that yeah. one. I did. I like the photo. Uh, if you remember to send me that photo, we can put it in the feed okay. of the week that this episode comes out. Sure. How'd you get involved with the Little Tokyo Service Center? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Or is it just kind of inevitable that if you're in this neighborhood, you're going to be working with them? Okay, so Mariko yes. is the one I know the most from. Well, I know some other people, but Mariko is the one I've known since Japan. Okay. Going to all the parties in Shibuya, Roppongi. Oh, we got to get some messy Mariko stories. Yeah. Was she a party girl? She was. <laughs> Holy shit. She is so buttoned down. Yeah, I mean, she, she wasn't wild, though. I wouldn't say she uh, No, 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 no. Don't retreat now. No, she was, she, was out, she was out in them streets. That's what I thought. But she wasn't like, she wasn't wild. No, 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 no. She, she doesn't, she's not wild. Yeah. But you just know each other from social down there. Yeah, so we had a million mutual friends and Mm -hmm. kind of find out she moved to LA. She got a job at Little Tokyo Service Center and then uh, she hit me up. She's like, hey, I'm at Little Tokyo Service Center. I'm doing this. I think your brand would fit, you know, for what I'm trying to do. And that's just how we started talking. She is. Can we can we just talk about how how amazing she is as a person and as a a community support pillar? There's really a one and only Mariko. Yes. So, and the way that she like immersed herself in this whole community, by not even from being here, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think part of it was her trying to find her Japanese American roots as well, right? Or yeah, something. Yeah. And she just threw herself in the fire and she's making all these waves out here. It's awesome. It's really, really cool. This whole, obviously none of this series would exist without her. She's the one who's been doing all the organization and booking and got the space for us. It's really, yeah. I mean, just my pop-up wouldn't have been nothing without her. Your pop-up was really fun and I was really shy and tired that night. And I wished I had been more, uh, more outgoing and more able to engage with you and your crowd. But Thank you for inviting no, me to film it. It was it was such a blast and so cool to see to see the the shirts materialize. Like to see it all. I like this the circle with the three cranes. You like that one? Yeah, that's a good yeah, design. A lot of people like that one too. That's good cuz it feels like extra. I guess is the slang. Extra in what kind of way? Like um the 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 paper crane feels like a like a uh we know it. It feels familiar, right. but that circle version felt uh, like the the rebuild oh, okay. or something like okay. a, a a new twist on an old a classic. On an old classic. That's that's what I liked about well, it. Well, actually, I I use that kamon mm-hmm. as a for those who don't know, a kamon is like a family crest, a Japanese family crest, right? Mm-hmm. So each each family has their own distinct one. So basically, there is an actual kamon of three origami cranes mm-hmm. in existence. I just flip, swapped out their crane from my crane. Oh, okay. Yeah. When did you get the tattoo? The So I got the tattoo last year when I was in Tokyo. Like okay. my buddy just started his own like a uh, tattoo shop. So So was... you really knew like this was the brand. This Oh was... yeah, this tattoo on my neck. I've had this shit uh I've had it this this logo tat on my neck since like like 2000, maybe 10 years. And is the hand one more recent? This was brand new. Okay, yeah, okay. And one that one's in year. celebration of the actual like launch and existence of craft as a line or? No, I was just at my homie's tattoo shop in Tokyo and he's like, man, let's get you inked up real quick. How many tattoos do you have? Oh, man. And follow up question, are they all cranes? They are not all cranes. Okay. I am not Takashi 6'9", but I do have three cranes on my body. Okay. Yeah. What speaks to you about the paper crane? Like, why is that the, <laughs> the thing? Um... I feel like it's it's the art form mm-hmm. of origami. 
it's like the tradition of it's just the symbol of what you know Japanese cranes stand for you know loyalty longevity good fortune whatever all of that stuff and I feel like that crane is also very you know worldly recognized yeah, as yeah, being yeah, Japanese yeah. so I wanted to use something that was people could relate to not relate to but just identify okay, yeah, yeah and they Japanese know their, their country of origin there's a straight line connection to correct right to and, the culture right. and the heritage and I thought it was it. just a very clean looking symbol like yep. a lot of people use this on stuff you know I'm not the first mm-hmm. but uh, I just want to let you know like I didn't get my logo from like Google like all these other people so <laughs> spitting fire yeah, on this because people are like oh man this that and the third I'm like nah man my shit's OG like my homeboy he like you know, we sat down, we designed it together because he was like nice with it, like yeah. on the computer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not like you can't just go to Google Images and find a... Are you thing. expanding the line from here? You got the hoodies, the t-shirts, the shorts, and the hats. Like, is there more in the works? Is there another iteration of the logo coming out? Now, you don't have to, you know, reveal any trade right. I'm secrets. In, I'm but... in the middle of like producing more. Okay. As we speak, we're manufacturing. Uh, as far as logos, uh, I'm probably going to stick with the two main ones. Okay. The common one and the regular one. Are you doing them in seasons or is it just as you get around to the just next design? Just as I get around. Like, I, do, I don't okay. have the capacity to do it, to stay on season. Okay. And Do you yeah. have employees at this point or are you still... Just me, myself one-ish? and I. Yeah. That's wild. It is wild. What? I feel like I need something soon though. Yeah. 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 Are you getting enough income that you can expand the, the staff base I have enough income yourself? where I could like do a lot of project based work with other people okay okay right? so if you wanted to do like a mini thing you could right. get the staff on for a bit and then correct let them and go i feel like done. that's more efficient for me at this time yeah right I, instead of just being here here's your salary now here's cool. a weird question there's all so much on on i think entrepreneur interviews and conversations there's such focus on like you got to know your one-year plan your five-year plan your 10-year plan it right. feels a little loosey-goosey like you have the the aesthetic in your head very clear, but the business plan is kind of still taking shape. Right. Is that is that a bad read? Do you have your ten year plan? I do not. No. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna just go with you know how I feel and how how I how it's going. I'm just gonna base everything off uh, not like a calendar because I, it's mm-hmm. like I feel it's limiting and it's like I can, I don't feel like I could do the best that I can do on that yeah, kind of schedule yeah. and again like my capacity right now is now where I can stay on you know seasonal or whatnot. who have you got around here as your your kind of support network not that it's like a, a you know not that you're in recovery but like who who are you working with in your lane we've been out to Uprising the, mm-hmm. the factory tour do y'all have a community of, of clothing makers that keep in touch with each other and yeah, well, I got, I I got mean, a great deal I on do, cotton. I, I do have a lot of friends who are in the industry, and mm-hmm. it's not like we have these like super, you know, um, secret meetings in a dungeon where we talk the about the ball of yeah, of- eyes wide shut. No, we just no, you know, if they have questions, they hit me. If I have questions, I hit them up. It's just very loosey goosey. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to get back to from the opening of this conversation was the practice with a purpose. What's your purpose? My, you, have you identified that? Is that part of your... My purpose in regards to the brand or uh, just in life? Yes, both. Like, I, that, Do you give those thought and have them written in the front of your your ledger so that you can remind yourself? Well, I or do have it, my, pur- my long-term purposes and I have my short-term purposes. Are those and uh, the short trade term? secrets? Can we know them? <laughs> uh, well, my short-term purposes are, you know, I'm always... Uh, well, I can't get into them because they're, they're always changing, obviously. Okay. 
but it's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna finish like this many designs today. Like, okay, boom, that's like per- my purpose, whatever. Okay, the and small, the small ones. What does the long term look like? Long term purpose, um, to be like a go- a global brand. Okay, that's definitely one. Um, I have a lot of collabs that I want to manifest, mm-hmm. and um, I, w- I can't say who. Of but, course, um, that's fine. Those are like you know, those are my purposes. The main purpose would be. Oops, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were done. Please. Oh, no. The main purpose would be yes. <laughs> nope. Out of time. No. No. Just you know, I want to be a global brand. Okay. Right. I'm gonna give you the first poll. Okay. Let's get into it. See what happens. Uh oh. Shall I read it? Okay. What's the one movie or show from history you wish you could have been the one to make? It's an easy question. I know what I bet. I'm putting my money on Back to the Future Part 2. Yep. All right. That's the one. My turn. Let's see what we got for you. What villain would you like to be and why? Is it Biff Tannen? Ooh. And if so, which timeline? Shit. Which villain? Yeah, from which which movie, comic book, TV show? Yeah, sure. I'll go with Biff. All right. Which timeline? Regular uh, 1950s Biff, uh, 1980s Biff, alternate 1980s Biff, or Wild West Biff? Alternate 1980s Biff. Rock and roll. Uh, That's the worst (laughs) ding of the the week. Wait, is this your turn? Oh, it's my turn? Yeah, this is your turn. What am am I doing? Okay. Oh, this is my question. What is it? Are you dinging out? Well, this is my let's, question. I think... Uh, let's get this out of the way so that you can ding. You don't have to reach through we'll that. We'll leave that for someone. I'll have to pick okay. another one. You may. Okay. Well, this thing's been through some stuff. What was the one important thing that Abraham Lincoln did? I guess he, like, air quotation, freed the slaves. All right. Right. Even though there's a lot of controversy surrounding that, but... Around whether he did it or whether whether he did slaves it, are whether we don't have slavery anymore. Whether he did it because he really wanted them to be free, yeah. or because he wanted to win something, or that's up for debate. Oh, okay. I'm coming in from the other side where uh, 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 as we still have <laughs> private prisons, which means slavery obviously yeah. exists in our country still. Right. So you, why am I here? <laughs> There we go. That's how okay. we do it. Sorry. Pardon. No, no, no. I'm uh, That one I found on the street. I was just walking down and I saw that piece of paper and thought, that's look, that could go with the fishbowl. <laughs> what celebrity should be your stand-in? If they were making a Darren Mockey movie starring you as Darren Mockey, who should be waiting, who should be sitting in your seat so that the cameraman can practice focus so that everybody's ready when you actually sit in the seat? Is, Wait, who, which... This is a which, very inside baseball question. Which actor should play you? No, no, no. Wait. Not play you. Uh, should sit in for you between takes so that the cameraman and the lighting guy can all figure out where the focus is going to be when you sit down and if the lighting looks good. Like, you can't have the main star being the... So sit- basically, who, who do I think looks like me? Yeah. Or do I look like someone? Yeah, which celebrity... <laughs> Shit. There's not many, right? No. Um, one of them light-skinned Asian dudes, like maybe like Jin the MC. 
I've gotten that before. <laughs> it's very specific. We do not have many light-skinned Asians yeah. in film. Like he's like really yellow like me. So mm-hmm. like I would say maybe him. I've gotten that before. Okay. Yeah. Ding out. All right. Yeah. Is it your turn? It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. That. that. How many of these are we doing? Uh, until we burn out. Until we burn out. Okay. Yeah. How can we support you? This is from Mariko Lockridge. How could we support you? Y'all could follow my Instagram, Craft by Marky, mm-hmm. and you could go to my website and you could click through all the shop and you could cop everything you like. Uh, quick distinction. How would you spell Craft by Maki if you were going to spell it? C-R-F-T-B-Y. M-A-K-I. There's no A in craft. No A in craft. Tell, how are we getting so many Mariko Lockridge questions? These are, this thing is, is, there the the spirits are within us. All right. What do you think of cultural appropriation? Oh, man. And how would you describe it to people who don't know about it? It's oh, a great question because there's such a fine line sometimes between about, homage and right and, and what, just theft. Right. Um, I guess for an example would be like like them girls at Coachella who are rocking the full on like you know Native American garb. Mm-hmm. Like that's a fine line. Like I could see the angle of okay, they're just trying to pay homage. They they, they really like the style of this. They're yeah. not trying to like pretend they're Native American. So, I mean, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, when it happens to me, I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. How's that? That's fine. That's fine. There's like, I want to open up that question a little bit more if I may, because cultural appropriation in America feels, to me, feels very different than cultural appropriation in Japan. Um, Right, yeah. I I I think part of, well... I don't know how to frame it. I think part of it is the the incredible violence in this country that that the that the Europeans enacted on every race that wasn't theirs. And I am not meaning to say that Japan's history is perfectly clean, but I do feel like there's a lot less uh, uh, genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also like just this kind of like playful hero worship in Japanese cultural appropriation that I don't feel is present. Like it's, it feels much more playful and much more like, look at how fun that thing is. I want a piece of that. What are your thoughts? In- yeah, like ignorance, ignorance is bliss kind of thing or mm-hmm. just, is that what you mean? Like they're just, they don't know the history, but they're, you, you know, they're not actually trying to disrespect anyone. Is that what you're trying to Sort of like when you see somebody doing blackface in America, there's a long history of lynching. Right. But when you see blackface in Japan, there's a long history of loving soul and funk records. And that's what, like, there's a difference between those two. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, there's that fine line. It's tough. But like, for example, like I could never see myself trying to you know, let's say put a burrito on a t-shirt and try to sell it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bummer. I have all these designs sketched out of burritos on shirts <laughs> that I was hoping to, to feed through your brand. Let's, let's, let's see what's next. All right, yeah. <laughs> How about this pink one right here? Another Modical one. She, how, how Sorry. many did she put in? Let's keep that one. Okay. Which one was that? 
Mariko, we're not trying to censor you. It just is uncommon to get this many. I'm pulling more of hers. Is that another Mariko? No, it just says, if you were a Starbucks drink, what would you be? Oh, this is one of those sexy dating game questions. If you were a Starbucks drink, which would you be? The drip coffee because you're down, good down to the last drop? Or would you be the chai tea latte because you, you like a little cream in your sugar? Or what? <laughs> to be honest, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink Starbucks. So I, I'm the worst at answering this question. You drink tea? I do drink tea. If you were a tea. I just, I just, just straight up matcha, I guess. All right. Yeah, just keep it. Man, you are fighting this fishbowl harder than I've ever seen a guest fight. <laughs> you want nothing to do with this. We'll skip that one because it's yours. Oh, wow. Okay. Who are you missing right now? Who am I missing? Yeah. I'm missing my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm missing my friends in Japan, my friends in Kuala Lumpur. What yes. do you walk with? What do you carry from your grandmother? Like, there are parts of my grandfather that, that I hold very, very dear and I keep with me every day. Are they, like, what do you, um, what did she give you? She was just always just so warm and always just made sure I was good. And like, uh, for me, I've never met any of my other grandparents. Okay. So she was the only one that was alive when I was born. So that's the only one I've, I've known. And so she means a lot. Try to do it, do it. You yeah. have full ding autonomy. Please pull one. Oh, actually let's go back to your grandfather. Like, um, Oh yeah. 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 What did about him that you uh, pull from? Um, he, first of all, practical, physical, simple. He wore bow ties. I inherited his bow tie collection mm. and I rock a bow tie at this awesome. point in my life. That's cool. He was very active in, uh, not, not like political community organization, but he would write plays and then get his friends to put on the play and then they'd have, they'd do their plays and he, you know, his buddy would write the music for his, he'd write oh. poems. The guy would write the music. Frank Siegman would write the music and they oh. put on musicals together that they were oh, created. And I really love that feeling of, of like, let's put on a show. Let's have some fun with, with everyone around us that he had a lot of handmade arts and crafts in, in his world, like Easter egg, Oh. Uh, painting was an annual thing. Uh-huh. Deep feeling of Christmas. Like he loved the holidays and celebrated them to the hilt. Mm-hmm. Fourth of July comes around and he's got 20 flags on the front porch. Yeah. Uh, most of them American, but then he'd have the rainbow flag and the uh, prisoners of war flag. He'd have all the varieties of flags up that he wanted to celebrate and honor. I see. Uh, patriot, but not a pig. I feel like patriotism has turned into nationalism, but he was like a true, Mm -hmm. like a Boy Scout patriot. Like, this America is dandy, isn't it? Kind of (laughs) attitude. And I want to keep that alive. Like, I really, Mm -hmm. I feel distressed that the only form of patriotism that has any hold right now is is nationalism, really aggressive and violent nationalism. Mm -hmm. And I really want to keep the doors open for the the fun version of patriotism and the the celebration of of the the apple pie and the 4th of July. Right, you right. know the the simple, yeah. the kind ones that that do exist. That's that's what I try to keep alive in him. There, there, you got you got me halfway to tears. You want me to keep um, going? Hey, if you like to, I'm digging out. What is yours? <laughs> did you pull one yeah, before before tossing that back at me? You can turn this around at any point. You don't have to be uh, movie Mad Libs. What is that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would be the title of your autobiography? That's a sim. That's a oh shit. You have any interest in writing an autobiography? Do you? 
No, I don't. Okay. It, you don't strike me as somebody who's just looking to get through it all so he can sit down and yeah. tell him how it was right. when he lived it. Um, maybe one day when I'm old and gray, because I have a lot of stories from Japan that are pretty funny and intriguing, but things that I should tell when I'm old and not like young, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus Yeah, or make anyone close to you ask questions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you want a title? Yeah. Just a title. A title? I don't know, man. Like real spiel. That's, that's a nice one. That's the title. <laughs> Ding. And we're That's out. Your turn. Okay. Grab a good one. All right. I'll check for these colored, colored, uh, different ones. All right. Okay. When was the last time you cried? Are <sighs> you a crier? I'm not a crier. Yeah. You don't seem to wear your emotions on your sleeve. Right. You seem kind of practical and level. Yeah. Um. It has to have been a movie, though. I would tell you that if a movie gets me going, like I might. Lightweight shed a tear. Which ones get you? Actually, no. Was it Back Crazy, to the Future no. too? Crazy Rich Asians. I shed a tear in that movie. What? That what, shit was good. What? What caused it? Was it like the finely just, representation just, or the love story? Just the the emotional element. Just the how emotional it was at the end. Okay. Yeah. Like See? the whole. Yeah. You got suckered into a rom com. Yeah. Was it yeah. a com? Or just a rom? I think it was a little bit calm. Okay. Yeah. So you got suckered in by a rom-com. Yes. That movie got me. All right. These are the gentlest stinks. Describe a moment where you were obsessed with someone or something. Oh, man. Uh, Has there ever been a girl that you were crushing on that was not interested in you? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I, I believe, yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, not that I believe that that happened, just the, the amount of time it took you to have to think through. <laughs> yes, of course. That, when did that happen? Oh, man. I guess a big one was probably like in high school, my senior year. Okay. I was going after this one girl, but she already had a man, so. And I was just like in the friend zone. But we were okay. like really tight, but deep down inside, like I wanted her to be like my chick. Had you had girlfriends? I mean, were you dating a lot? Of oh, no. I'm, I've never had a girlfriend in my life. Oh, you... Nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've dated. Okay. But, uh, See, that's what happens when you lie. Money jumps out of yeah. your pocket to get away from you. <laughs> and then you hit the mic you with your melon. And you shut it all down. Um, yes, I, I've dated women before, but uh, as far as like... What was the question? Uh, crush on a girl. Crush on a girl. You can ding. Yeah. Your turn. Okay. And we have lost so much light since we started this. The sun's been setting and the, the video feed is almost black at this point. What hero or heroine, am I saying it right, heroine, yeah. would you like to be and why? I'm going to say you have to answer for hero and heroine. Okay. Heroine. Shit, I'd be fucking Spider-Man. All right, that's I'm a good like one. always like Spider-Man. He's dope. Dude, how good is that trailer for the Homecoming, not Homecoming, the new animated one? I didn't see it. That the shit, anime? it yeah, it looks so good. Yeah? Yeah, I haven't seen a trailer that good in a long time. Okay, so Spider-Man is one of them. Spider-Man. Would you be Peter Parker's Spider-Man or one of the alternate dimension Spider-Men's? I'd be Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I got my practical side and, like, my chill side and then... Mm -hmm. Yeah, at night I go... And then, uh, yeah, heroin. Wonder Woman. All right, that's not a bad yeah. one. Let's do Gal one Gadot. more. Gal Gadot. 
That would be a good person to wake up as. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I'm gonna go into one of these hyper folded ones. Okay. What's something that you judge others on, even though you know it kind of makes you a bad person? How they help people hold chopsticks. <laughs> Sorry, that just kills me. Like, oh my god! Like, you could be like the hottest woman on the planet, and if you hold that shit, like, you know, you're throwing gang signs. Mm-hmm. You're done. You're out. I'm yep. out. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's kind of shallow, but. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna match you on that one. If you make lousy art, I am just like get the fuck out of here. I have no interest in you romantically. At I mean, all. like drawing wise or just art anything. In like yeah, if you think you're great at your art and you're really mediocre or below. Oh man. If you have a wild like a non uh, uh, a lack of understanding about where you are on the right. spectrum of creation. Damn. Yeah. That's just that's tough. And I know it makes me a bad person. Like everybody started at a certain point and will improve over the course of their lives. And the purpose of art isn't to make something great, but it's to experience the creation of birthing something that is personal to you. Like I know fundamentally <laughs> I'm wrong about it, but I'm still just like fuck. I can't deal with you. <laughs> Are we good? You, you want to round up? It, man. That's why you are so lucky that you make good art. You would never, ever be on this show if your brand was... Hey, my art is simple. Just throw a little logo on there. It is know? not simple. The Generations video, there's more going on than just uh, an outline of a paper crane. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, And simple is the hardest thing to do right. I can agree with that. So... Get the fuck out of here with your humility. I, no, I can I'm see right saying, through you. No, because I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, we're all just making T-shirts, mm-hmm. right? So there's, at the end of the day, there's really nothing special about a T-shirt. You could say, oh, it's made with this, or it's got this and that and that dirt. But at the end of the day, we're all selling the same shit. So how can you differentiate, differentiate yourself? So uh, as far as a brand is concerned, I have to come at you with the content. Mm-hmm. Because my T-shirt alone will not tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a t-shirt with a little origami crane on it, bruh. We're going to leave it there. The idea that uh, even the the most simple idea is still an umbrella of the whole, you have to keep it all, it all works together in tandem. You want to round out? Sure. Let's get out of here. Alrighty. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl, and I've been your host, Jesse Kester. I will continue to be your host as long as I live. If you like what you heard, you can find more at www.hollywoodfishbowl.com. We are also on the Schminstas and the Twitter at HWFishbowl, but it is not about us. It's about the guest. Darren, where can people find you and or your brand? You can find me on the IG at Darren Maki, D-A-R-I-N-M-A-K-I. And you can find my brand at the same place at Craft by Maki, C-R-F-T-B-Y-M-A-K-I. And at craftbymaki.com. All right. Do you hope that people find you? I mean, do you keep maintain your private Instagram as something that's supposed to be seen by the public? Uh, my, my personal one is Publix. Okay. So if you want to follow me in stock, it's all good. I don't got much on there anyway, so. All right. Then Thank we're going to so leave much. it there. Thanks. Thank you Thank for Thank you for having on. me. It was a pleasure. I am so glad to know you, finally. <laughs> we're done. Bye. Bye.